TalkZone.com. Now, TalkZone presents Two Guys and a Mic, your mid-morning break sports talk show. It's a passionate yet lighthearted look at the world of sports, featuring the coach, John Cohn. They'll recap the games from yesterday, look ahead to the matchups tonight, and cover a lot more in between. Now, Two Guys and a Mic on TalkZone.com. Hey, we do welcome you to a Friday edition of the Two Guys at a Mic Show. Thank you so much for joining us. Beautiful, beautiful Friday coming up to a mid-summer's weekend here. We're right in the depth of the summer. Number a couple... Uh, a number? Instead of a number, how about another? Another a couple of weeks and we'll be uh, going to the stores for the back-to-school shopping. In fact, I went to the grocery store yesterday, a couple other stores, and already... Already, they got the back-to-school stuff. I'm surprised they don't have the Halloween stuff in there. That's David. They've had the back-to-school stuff out for about two weeks. It's right after the 4th of July they roll it out now. You know, the, the preparation, the pre-preparation by the retail industry for holidays has gotten significantly worse. Uh, I'm sure you have all your Easter decorations for next year or probably already purchased. Absolutely. <laughs> we are not. And I think I can speak on behalf of... Uh, of the parents out there, and safely 99.4%. There's probably the .6 out there of the youth of America, 18 ages, uh, age 18 and under. We are not, repeat, not yet ready for any back-to-school commercials, back-to-school supplies. If the school district wants to send out any notices, please wait a couple of weeks. We're already getting stuff like that for registration. Stop. Stop. It's the summertime. Right smack in the middle. This is the heart. If it was a volcano or a hurricane, what do they call it? The eye of the hurricane? We're in the eye of the hurricane right now, right in the middle of the beautiful, beautiful summer. Stop sending us those letters and flyers and in the retail stores bringing us the back to school. There's my uh, morning thought for the day. Welcome, everybody. It's Sports Talk and more. The coach flying solo today. That means the uh, co-pilot seat, which normally encompasses the rather large derriere, the rather large... Gluteo Maximus of a big dog, Joel Radwanski. Big dog is off today. A lot of people said he was off all week, but he's actually not on the air today. So the uh, co-pilot seat, you don't have to strap in. The uh, seatbelt is very comfortable. We serve cocktails aboard this particular ship. Uh, we have nice flight attendants to take care of you, so it's a great job. doesn't pay well, but it's a great job. If you want to be the co-pilot today, you can do that. Dial it up. Talk sports. You want to get off the sports page, we can do that too. 888 888- Four six three six seven four eight. That is the phone number. Again, triple eight four six three sixty seven forty eight. I'm looking up at the TV. The uh, British Open now. They just went to these the uh, secondary leaders. I'll get you back to the leaderboard. I, you know, bad sports talk host. I did not. Full disclosure. I did not wake up at three a.m. to watch the British Open today. Even fuller disclosure. I have no idea who's leading right now. I think uh, Oosterhausen. How do you pronounce that guy's name? Oosterholzen. Rory McIlroy on fire yesterday. This is the time difference in the British Open becoming a little bit bothersome. And I said before, my favorite golf tournament, it really is. I think there's something. The Masters is great. U.S. Open is great. There's something special. There's a certain feel about the British Open that is unique amongst to any others. And I'm watching on the TV screen now the uh, pants of a John Daly. Wow. Wow. You talk about a fashion statement. Neon green hat and bright pink pants. That's John Daly. Fortunately, he's lost about 100 pounds because the the old John Daly wearing the pink pants and the neon green hat would be even a worse look than it is now. 
It's an interesting statement. But yeah, the British Open, my favorite golf tournament. You want to check in on that? And a uh, rather uh, eventful day one where Rory McIlroy shot a 63. And I was surprised we just had a kid shoot a 59, Paul Goitis, in a PGA tournament the week before, lowest score ever. And I was surprised to read the 63 shot by Rory McIlroy, the um, fine 21-year-old from Northern Ireland, 21 going on 17. The guy looks like he just hit puberty, but he can hit a golf ball, no question about that. Uh, the 63 tied. Tied for the lowest score ever in a major tournament. That's pretty good stuff. And I think there's been like 12 or 13 that's tied it, so it's not like it's completely unique. He blew a putt apparently on the 17th, a short putt. If he would have hit that putt, he would have had the lowest score. So when you think about it, uh, you know, all right, he gets credit for a tie in the score, but you had a chance. You had a chance if you knocked down a three, four foot putt. To have the lowest score ever, even if you blow the tournament. That's something that uh, is going to go down in the record books. That's something you can tell your grandkids. That's something you can tell your kids. You can tell your wife. You can tell the, uh, you know, the women that you might be fooling around with, whoever. If you're having an affair with somebody, that's something you can tell them with too. Pretty impressive. But as it was, the guy shoots a 63. Tied for the lowest score ever in a major. That's impressive. You think about all the greats. All the greats from uh, Sam Sneed through the Arnold Palmer and Nicholas and Trevino and Watson, all the way up to the modern-day guys, including Tiger Woods and the kid, the 21 years old from Northern Ireland, shoots a 63 tied for the lowest score ever, ever in a major tournament. Very, very impressive. I believe he's in second place round two, even if he blows up from here. And we all know from experience in golf tournaments that typically the leader after day one, is like, uh, you know, on the FBI watch, never heard from again. You might be seeing Rory McElroy's picture profile at the uh, post office. I heard someone say, by the way, David, why do they put the pictures up at the post office? What are we supposed to do, write him a letter? Say, and somebody suggested what, what they really should do, if they want to catch these guys, make stamps with their faces on them. And then the postal carriers, or the, the uh, mail delivers, the fine mail delivers, whose jobs are probably about five years away from being extinct. Then they could look for these people as they deliver the mail. Put the pictures up at the post office. You know, you might as well put an address. We can write them a nice letter. Well, maybe that's why they are up at the post office, so the mail carriers will see them. And, you know, it, it'd be easier to recognize somebody from a full-size portrait <laughs> than a little tiny uh, stamp. Well, but, but yes and no, because you're only getting one quick glimpse at the post office. The stamp lives forever. They're delivering you, so, you, you know, they might have... Yeah, but you got the postmark over the stamp. Well, stop killing a good story, will you? I'm just just saying. <laughs> stop bringing logic into this uh, somewhat inundated argument. But uh, at any rate, how did we get to the post office? Oh, I was saying uh, yeah, uh, yeah, the, the, the leader, leader, the leader word, after yeah. day one, never heard from again. I got a feeling, though, that may, may not hold true in this one. I have a feeling. No logic, no sense behind it. I don't know the past history of the 21-year-old for Northern Ireland, Rory McIlroy, but I got me a feeling that he's going to stick around. I don't know if he's going to win it. But I'll make a prediction right now. He'll be in the final five, maybe top ten. I don't think he's going to drop out like some of the others. And uh, Louis Osterhosen, probably totally butchering his name, leading the British Open right now. So we'll talk some golf today in addition to baseball. And we got some NBA news as well, sports talk, and more. We'll jump off the sports page as well as David Olson will tell us exactly the technique, the chemistry behind it, if you will, the engineering behind how the oil well was finally Capped by PP, our producer, 
And David also has made a study of this. And uh, I do like your Facebook uh, comment, by the way. Now that the oil spill has been capped, <laughs> Mel Gibson is next. Oh, goodness, more problem. He's denying it, though. Right? Mel Gibson's not saying he said... Well, no, most... no, 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 no. He, he's not denying it. He's saying the tape was altered. <laughs> well, no, ser- but ser- but seriously, and there was a guy on Good Morning America okay. that said, well, if you listen to it, I mean, she was clearly talking into a microphone. She was not talking into a telephone headset. So they did have a recording set up. This is with his ex, uh, with his wife. Yeah, which Current is with wife. his wife. Soon to be ex. And there, there appear to be gaps and pauses in the conversation, like... She was saying things to Agamon to get that response out of him in passages. Interesting. So, Rob Blagojevich was not on these tapes, was he? No, he was not. But there are mashups out there where people have edited Rod Blagojevich and Mel Gibson and Mm -hmm. Mel Gibson and Christian Bale. And Mm -hmm. um, Mel basically said a few, while getting an argument with his wife, said a few more uh, very strongly politically incorrect comments. Yeah, but uh, from what I understand, this is all from one phone call, and they're just releasing it in segments. Or, you know, maybe it's two mm-hmm. phone calls that they're splitting up and everything like that. I don't buy it. Pauses yeah. and gaps, that's uh, the biggest excuse I've ever heard. Pauses and gaps, I can't believe that that would actually happen. There's no such thing as pauses. So I don't think that story is true at all. I think it's complete. They made up. You know, you know what? I, I, yes, sir. Unless I sat down and listened to it from start to finish, uh-huh. um, it's not out of the realm of possibility. Okay. Because you know, I've, I've been editing audio for close to twenty years, and mm-hmm. it's really easy. And there, if you know what you're doing, and it's sure. you can really make things sound authentic. Now, that's not to say he didn't say what he said because he clearly did. He clearly did, but. You know, if she was turning the screws and, mm-hmm. you know, kind of leading him. Okay. Yeah, yeah, it's, uh, I'm, I'm in no way defending what he said, mm-hmm. but I've kind of been there myself. Yeah, so, yeah. Hard to believe because Mel's never had any problems in the past. <laughs> didn't say that and didn't say I'm defending what he said or. You know, what what he allegedly did. I'm just saying, you know. Okay. By the way, if you're that good on um, restructuring some of the tapes and stuff, any chance you can go back in the archives with our shows and maybe uh, edit some of my material and find a way to make it sound better? Because, quite frankly, we need some work here. We might might need your editing skills. I'm going to put in some Mel Gibson audio. Can't hurt. Can't hurt. I saw our recent ratings. Can't hurt. Little Mel Gibson throwing his ex-wife, you know. Whatever you want. Get creative, David Olson. We need to break out of the box here at the Two Guys in a Mic Show. Get creative. David Olson, our fine producer, helping me out today. Coach flying solo. Co-pilot seat wide spanking open, folks. Dial it up. Talk some sports with the coach. 888-463-6748. We'll get you right on the air again. 888-463-6748. we got emails available at Mike. Two guys at AOL.com. It's Mike, short for microphone, so let's go with the M-I-C spelling. Mike, two, the number two. Don't spell it out. Mike, two guys, AOL.com. We'll read some of the emails over the air. Uh, we got baseball news, second half of the season opening up, and we'll talk about the White Sox in a second because here in Chicago and really probably uh, in Major League Baseball, they are the number one story right now. No question, the hottest team in baseball, but from the Chicago Cubs standpoint, you remember the uh, start of the season, the first half of the season, opening day, 
all the excitement. Cubs going to be a contender this year. Not the odds on, but maybe the slight favorite to win the National League Central Division. All the enthusiasm and the excitement of opening day. The new players, the veterans, Lou Pinella, yada, 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 et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And they absolutely blew up on game one. Had to pull Carlos Zambrano out of the game, I think, in the second inning. He didn't even make it to the second inning. Oh, I forgot to add, with all the yada, yada, yadas, a brand new ownership. The biggest yada of all. I don't know how Yoda could have forget that yada, but you had brand new ownership. So a new beginning. A new beginning. Everything was there except Steve Bartman. And who knows? Steve Bartman might have been there. By the way, are you aware, as I get sidetracked once again, that uh, Steve Bartman was at Notre Dame High School when I was coaching there? And I vaguely remember him. I think that I cut him from the freshman basketball team when I was the coach. So it's all your fault. No. Well, yeah, maybe. You kept him on the team. He might have got a scholarship. You're probably to, right. You know, a big program. You're probably and, right. You know, gone pro or something mm-hmm. like that. And then he never would have been sitting there. He would have been in the good seats. But the kid was not the nerd that, uh, you know, that he looked like on the TV screen and the people that made him out to be. He's actually a pretty good baseball player. I think he became a varsity baseball player, played pretty good uh, high level of travel baseball. So a little bit different than the image. Amazing, though, David Olsen, amazing. After this many years that he is still, this came up at a breakfast conversation with my kids today. I forget how it came out, but still, he has not been seen in public. He has not done an interview. He's not been quoted in the paper. Pretty amazing in this day and age of media that Steve Bartman has laid that law. I give him credit. I give him a lot of credit, but that's, that's pretty amazing in this day and age that, um, you know, a lot of guys, you know, maybe for three months, six months, for a year, he has stood the test of time. Not sure if that's a good thing or a bad well, thing. Well, I mean, do you blame him? I would have gone into witness protection. I, you know, I, it's... You know, like I, I, not only do I not blame him, I give him credit. I think he took the right approach. Horrible thing. Let's just completely get out of the public side. Yeah, I... I don't blame him at all. I tried to get him on our radio show because I know his old coach. I thought that could be the angle. Maybe, you know, one interview like that and you become a nationally known show, right? What would a Steve Bartman interview do for the two guys in a mic show? Through the roof. <laughs> through the roof. No, say no. What? Flew the coop or, or through yes, the roof? Yes, yes. Oh, through the roof. Through I thought you said flew the coop. Okay. Ah, at any rate, uh, Cubs. So all that for day, you know, in the day one opening day of the season, they completely completely hit rock bottom, and, and it basically was a precedent for the first half of the season. So I'm asking the Cub fans out there, baseball fans out there, is there any chance? Throw me a bone here. Try to go a glass half full to the highest extreme that yesterday's big win over Philadelphia. Home run by Soto. Home run by Derek Lee. Home run by Alfonso Soriano. A couple doubles by Aramis Ramirez. That was the way the Cubs were supposed to be built. Any chance that this second half first game performance maybe? could be a precedence for the second half as the negative, the blow-up in game one was for the first half. Probably not, but we can hope. We can hope. And remember what Joel said yesterday. He had a pretty good comment. Joel's predictions, uh, his, whenever he bets on games and puts money on games, his predictions fall apart. The money destroys his uh, intuition. But you take gambling away from it. Now that he's beaten the gambling addiction, the big dog sports intuition is pretty good. He's been right on of late. And what he said about the Cubs, do you remember what he said yesterday, David? Second half of the season, he goes, you watch. The first two, three weeks, the first month coming out here, they're going to be on fire. They'll play great baseball, 
It will convince the Cubs not to trade some of their players. Then they'll tail off second half. It will be in the same place, stuck in the mud towards the end of the season. So he put a negative spin in. But he did predict that they're going to be good for two or three weeks, just good enough. Just good enough <laughs> so that they don't get a lot of young players in return for the veterans. See, now I read this morning that uh, Ted Lilly's basically got his bags packed. Yes, read the same thing. Now, you can't believe everything you read, but um, I also said that valuable commodity, Ted Lilly. Any contending team, uh, including, uh, might those bags be packed for just a little trip down the Kennedy? Be nice. It'd be nice because I mean he'd slide in a PV spot yeah. very very nicely. You think about the white what the White Sox need right now. Uh, it doesn't even have to be a star, just a good proven pitcher as a number five guy who can come in. Ted Lilly could uh, he might not have to pack his bags too much. We'll see, we'll see. But uh, you would think even if they get hot for a couple of weeks, you'd think that first half of the season proved that the Chicago Cubs. Uh, Got to start building for next year. By the way, one of the young kids, Starlin Castro, got three hits yesterday. Made a great running play, too, as he stole home. So uh, good prospects for the future with guys like Starlin Castro, Tyler Colvin, and maybe rookie pitcher Andrew Castro. We'll keep an eye on those guys as the season goes on. Cubs did beat Philadelphia 12-6, hitting exhibition. Big win for the Cubby coming out second half of the season. White Sox a lot tighter, a lot closer, and a lot bigger of a game. They're at Minnesota, brand-new target field. Still getting used to that. Not the Metrodome up in Minnesota. White Sox jump out to a 4 nothing lead. And then a six-run, was it the fourth inning? Second inning? Six-run inning. Six runs. Johnny Dank survives the six runs. He continues to pitch into the seventh inning. And the White Sox, after getting behind 6-4, fight their way back and win the ball game. It got tight in the end, folks. White Sox fans, you want to check in? You want to... um let that enthusiasm overflow. If it's going to ever overflow, now is the time to do it. 26 of their last 31, nine consecutive wins in a row. And more importantly, they beat the Twins and they start the second half on a positive note. That's a big win. Eight to seven over Minnesota. Didn't watch the game late last night. Watched a little bit early, but apparently late in the game, Matt Thornton came up with a couple of big outs and then Bobby Jenks called on, I believe, in the bottom of the eighth inning. Got the final out there then in the ninth inning in true closer tradition. I mean, is there a closer these days that certainly not in Chicago that, that goes three up, three down, nice and easy, making it easy on the fans, making it easy on the manager? No. That's not the way closers do it. Now, Bobby Jenks gives up a couple of hits. One of them bringing in a run. They had a two-run lead when Jenks came in, so now it's down to one run. Tying run on base. Jim Tomei, the ex-White Sox. And bad for Minnesota, and Bobby Jenks strikes him out, gets Tomei out. Did it the hard way, put a little pressure on himself, but uh, got the job done. The White Sox win the ball game 8-7. to seven. You hate to see that happen to a good guy like Jimmy Tomei, but uh, you like to see the White Sox win. So a biggin', a biggin' for the White Sox. Four-game series tonight, it's uh, Gavin Floyd taking on Francisco Liriano, who's starting to... Looked like the pitcher he was a couple of years ago when he was arguably the best in baseball. Good pitchy matchup right there. You got, of course, Saturday and Sunday. Four-game series against the Twins. It's not a must-series. It's not a critical series, but obviously it's against the team you're contending with, so it's going to be fun to watch. White Sox versus the Twins, and the Sox take game one. Nine wins in a row. They are the hottest team in baseball. Absolutely amazing. We'll see if they can... uh, Keep it going. And again, Johnny Danks hung tough in there after giving up six runs in the second inning, apparently it was. Six runs in the second. 
White Sox come back and win it. Nicely done. 888-463-6748. You want to talk some baseball? That'll certainly be one of our topics for discussion today. Uh, we'll also talk British Open. We got stage to stage coverage of the Tour de France, the only sports talk show that brings up the Tour de France. We do it for about 42 seconds each and every day, but we do cover the stage, uh, the Tour de France, probably the second favorite obscure sporting event, not obscure. That's, that's a wrong word to use for it. Non-major sporting event that we cover. I think we probably do the Iditarod, the Alaskan Sled Dog Race. I, I don't know that there's a sports show that covers the Alaskan, the, the Alaskan, the Alaskan Iditarod Race, Dog Sled Race, as well as, uh, as well as the two guys at a mic show. So those two of them, I don't know about baseball, basketball, football, or hockey, but when it comes to the Iditarod or Tour, Tour de France, we put more time into it. We cover it like nobody else can. I'm not sure that's a good thing, but there you go. That's our tagline. 888-463-6748. We'll talk about that. Some NBA news and notes. And uh, we do have to talk uh, about the capping of the oil spill. Apparently, in the next 48 hours is key. David Olson, no uh, updated news. As far as we know, it's still working effectively. But they basically found a successful way to plug the hole, and the oil is no longer spilling into uh, the fine Gulf of Mexico? It is no longer spilling into the Gulf of Mexico. Any, what was the technique, what engineering device, what was the breakthrough that it took six weeks, I believe, but they finally found it? Um, from what I understand, it was a larger cap that went over the entire, it went over the top of the wellhead and basically forced the uh, oil to stay in the well itself. Mm-hmm. It, it, Fancy word for a cork, basically, okay. but it had to be put in a place piece by piece by piece by piece, tightened piece by piece. And the reason the government stopped it, like yesterday morning, remember when they said, "Oh, you got to stop," because you know they were, were they wanted to make sure that once they started tightening it, it wasn't going to blow out from underneath. Mm-hmm. You know, like like a balloon, basically. Yeah. Like well, basically, they've down. learned from their uh, experience. Yeah, they don't yeah. want the same similar thing. No, to no, no, no. That's not to say that's not going to happen. Right. But uh, at le- it is stopped for now, and that's the way they're putting. Oh, it's stopped for now, but it's really not going to be taken care of until they finish the relief wells in the next three weeks. I think they're saying they'll be done. Mm-hmm. All right. what, what's, what's that? What that's going to do? It's going to take all the pressure off the other well. And then they can just fill in that other well. Mm-hmm. So, all right. But for this particular one, we're still not out of the woods. Like the next forty-eight hours is still key, hoping that the thing does not. Mm-hmm. So it's tempered enthusiasm. Not yes. even enthusiasm is the wrong word. Tempered positiveness at this yes. point. Yes. I don't think anyone's enthusiastic about it because you still got a huge, huge cleanup to go. Interesting. Correct. Interesting. But people that have their vacations planned, maybe in a couple years. Maybe you got a shot at still going and enjoying the beautiful Gulf, mm-hmm. the beautiful beaches. All right, there you go. Our uh, expert David Olson bringing it to you. you. Want to jump off the sports page? Talk about that? Any of the summer movies that are out? I still say, uh, right now the only good movie that's out there, David Olson, Toy Story three. I haven't seen it yet. That's the only one of all the summer movies that have come out. The only one I really want to see is Toy Story three, and I think I mentioned that on our uh, coaches' corner. That if that's the highlight movie of the summer. It's an awfully slow summer for movies. Uh, Inception, I think that's the name of it that came Debuting out today. Debuting today. Oh, supposed to be unbelievably good. Really? Yeah. Combination, I heard it was a combo. This turned me off because it went James Bond and The Matrix. Yep. See, I'm not a big yeah. James Bond guy, and I'm definitely not a Matrix guy. 
Interesting. Inception starring, is it Leonardo uh, DiCaprio? Leonardo DiCaprio, uh, Ellen Page. Ellen Page, the excellent. Oh, Ellen. Oh, Juno. from uh, Juno. Yeah. Big fan of Ellen Page. And um, I forget who else is in it. Jo- uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Okay. Another young up-and-comer. So, uh, and it's Christopher Nolan who did uh, Dark Knight. Yep. Mm-hmm. Who, by so. the way, said if he ever does a Batman again, they will never. This is what Christopher Knight said. Talk a little movies here. If you're into the uh, movie industry, TV movie talk, you've seen a good movie you could recommend to our two guys at a Mike fan. Dial us up. Always willing to jump off the sports page. Triple eight four six three six seven four eight. Christopher Knight said he will never have another Joker. In any, if he does another Batman movie. Well, it, it's not, it's not an if. There is going to be another Batman okay. movie and they're going to start filming it next year. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, he did come out and say that. Basically because yeah, Heath Ledger did yeah. it as good as any, you can never improve upon that. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. All right. Who was your favorite villain in Batman? Were you a Joker guy? Are you talking in the movies or? Uh, in, no, in, TV. Back in the old TV days. See, I didn't like Cesar Romero back then. I, di- I didn't like the Cesar Romero Joker. I was a Riddler guy, Frank Gorshin. Really? Frank yeah. Gorshin is the yeah. Riddler. All right. yeah. I was a Burgess Meredith. I was a big Penguin guy. Long-time Penguin guy. I like the Penguin. First of all, I love Penguins, the animal. Arguably the most fan-friendly animal there can be, right? you got to love the Penguin. Nobody hates the Penguin. You go to the zoo, you got to see the Penguins. Not that many Penguins out there. You don't get to see them. But I thought Burgess Meredith is the Penguin, my personal favorite. I'm sure people are thrilled to know that in the Batman series. All right, we're going to take a quick, quick break. Talking sports and more. Two guys in a mic. We do it each and every day. Weekday, I should say. One hour a day, five days a week, five in total. TalkZone.com. We call this semi-dysfunctional show. The two guys in a mic show. We'll get back to some sports talk, more baseball, and the British Open. Check the leaderboard when we come back. 888-463-6748. Jump to the top of our leaderboard, and we'll get your call right on the air. Back in a minute. are open for your calls on two guys and a mic call 888 go for it once again here's the coach john cone hey we do welcome you back two guys and a mic happy to look up in the leaderboard i think in third place right now seven under it's my guy we haven't heard from him for a long time my favorite name in golf mark calcavecchio mark calcavecchio in third place you still got uh 
Luis Ostrosen, probably again butchering his name, but he is in first place. Day two of the British Open. Uh, Tiger Woods, apparently uh, not so good at five and a five. Bogey, bogey, I believe, in his first couple of holes to start the day. So a rough start for uh, Tiger Woods. But the British Open, day two, is going to be wrapping up in the conclusion. It started at 3 a.m. this morning. Anybody watch the 3 a.m. tip-off? You want to give us a call and find out, uh, A, what happened in the beginning of the British Open, and B, more importantly, why the hell were you up at 3 a.m. in the morning? That might be more of an interesting thing. Although we have a lot of people that work overnights. I remember in our uh, when I used to do the uh, score overnight show on Saturdays, I was amazed at how many people were up at that hour, not just up, but working. Security guards, taxi drivers, and of course our favorite Favorite listening audience of all, uh, Dave, they have always been our number one listening audience, and quite frankly, always will. And that is breastfeeding moms, who are up at all hours of the night, morning, whenever, right, you don't pick your time. When the baby chooses to succulate, that's when they are working. So breastfeeding moms have always been, if you're new to the program here, me and Joe have always had a special place. In our heart for our number one listening audience, all the breastfeeding moms out there. 888-463-6748, British Open Day 2, wrapping up baseball. Start of the second half of the season yesterday, and um, we also got the Tour de France, I believe, stage 11 completed. Mark Cavendish sprinting home for a victory. David, I don't know if you saw this or not, but apparently, this is really odd, I didn't see it. But apparently a controversy, this guy's been thrown out of the Tour de France for headbutting. Headbutting. Not after the race. You know, like in, in auto racing, sometimes they will get into it after the race. One guy storms the other guy's car. That's kind of cool to see. Apparently, this headbutt happened during the race. He headbutted another, you know, and they do the whole team thing, the whole pack thing. So what are Mark Cavendishes who won stage 11? One of the guys in his team apparently headbutted a guy from another team to keep him out of a, a sprint towards the end. And that guy, his name is uh, Mark Renshaw. Mark Renshaw. It's a big day for Marks, by the way. Mark Kalkovecchia making a run in the British Open. Mark Renshaw getting kicked out of the Tour de France. But uh, a headbutt going 50 miles an hour, 60 miles an hour on a bicycle? I got to see a replay of that. Got to see a replay of that. But he's, he's out. They threw him out. Mark Cavendish wins the stage. Still your two leaders. If you're following Tour de France, we're almost at our 42-second limit here, is uh, Albert Schleck. Andy Schleck, I'm sorry. Andy Schleck from Luxembourg. Luxembourg was where? In Germany? Andy Schleck, your leader. Alberto Contador from Spain is battling. One of those two guys is going to probably win it. they still got about 10 more stages to go. It is a long, long event. But uh, the defending champ, Alberto Contador, challenging Andy Schleck. And Mark Cavendish, your winner. There's your Tour de France update. We got any bicycling fans out there, bicyclists? Uh, a, feel free to call the show at 888-463-6748. And B, if you are a bicyclist, uh, follow the rules of the road, please. If you're going to be on, if you're going to be on the sidewalk, you can do what you want. Just don't run over any pedestrians. But if you're going to be on the street, thinking that you're a moving motor vehicle, I don't know what the, what do the state laws say about that, David? Because especially in the summertime, you get these very cocky, Nicely put, overconfident, not so nicely put, cocky and arrogant. Bicyclists who think they can uh, take the space of a car and go ahead of you. But then when it comes to a red light, they can go, you know, in and out and weave and be the first one to go. Now, technically, bicyclists allowed on the main street? 
Technically, yes, they are. Technically. It will not, not even technically. If there's not a bike lane, mm-hmm. they're supposed to be on there. Interesting. In a lot of, in a lot of places, uh, it's illegal to have them on the sidewalk. Really? Yes. Cause I used to, you know, I'd honk my horn when there's a car, a bicycle on the, and I'd honk my horn and point to the sidewalk. Like get over where you're supposed to be, but that would be incorrect use of a car honkage. Well, it depends on the <laughs> municipality. Oh, now you're getting technical. Well, yeah, no, like in the city of Chicago, you're not supposed to have your bike on the sidewalks. Okay, that's why they have bike lanes everywhere. Okay. And if not, you're supposed now to be the, on the, the, the messenger guys in the Chicago, those bicyclists, that's a breed unto its own too. Absolutely, it is because those people are maniacal in a good way, in a good way. But they're they're absolutely fearless. I would challenge. In a bike race, if it was the Tour de France, the best bicyclists in the world against the Chicago Messengers who are on bike, I'm not sure. I think if there were some obstacles on the way, I'm going to go with the Chicago Messengers. The, the Tour de France, if they had to, del- you know, you put the Tour de France riders against the Chicago Messengers, if they had to deliver like a meal to an office, I'm taking the Messengers over the Tour de France guys. I don't care if they are the best bicyclists in the world. They don't know how to dodge cars. They don't know how to. Honk at people. They don't know how to flip people off, weave in and out, run over pedestrians. I, I'd go to the Chicago Messengers right there in a battle of bike. But some, but some bicyclists do take it too far, do they not, on the streets? Oh, absolutely they do. Yeah. Absolutely they do. Yeah. yeah. And motorcycles the same way. It's stuck in traffic, and then they're weaving, you know, in and yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. That really gets me during gridlock on the expressway. When you're sitting there and all of a sudden right you know, in between the lanes, yep. there they go. Yep. Yeah. It's probably more jealousy than anything else because they can do it and we can't. What are you going to do? 888-463-6748. There's your Tour de France stage-to-stage coverage of the Tour de France. Don't forget to tune in on Monday where we will quickly review stages 12, 13, and 14, which happened today, Saturday, and Sunday. Maybe there's a rest day in there, too. I haven't looked that far ahead. At any rate, uh, British Open going on right now. Tiger Wood, Justin Rose shot a 70 yesterday. He's the hottest golfer on the tournament. Trevor Immelman, I think, is uh, in the hunt. Not such a good day, by the way, in the British Open yesterday, anyways, for Phil Mickelson. we got to find out how he's doing today. But uh, Uncle Phil is a threat not even to make the cut. Not even to make the cut. Tough day. Shot a 73 which doesn't sound that bad, but apparently, based on the scores of the British Open yesterday and the comments you heard from the golfers, it was an ideal day. It was an ideal day. In fact, I heard one golfer, I believe, make the comment, the course was helpless today. The course was helpless against our scores. Defenseless against the scores. And in the British Open, as you know, between the rain and the wind that could pick up is very often a very tough course. Nature can... Uh, Caused some disruptions in the British Open, but at least in day one it did not, as the scores were 63s and 65, 66s and 67s. Mickelson, though, with a rough one at 73. So he's got a long way to go if he's going to come back and get it done. John Daly, wouldn't that be a cool story? Mark Kalkovecchio finishing up in second round here. Phil Mickelson uh, up on the screen now. But John Daly shooting a 66. Now, he's had some good first and second days in majors before. He has a tough time sustaining it. For all four days. But that would be a cool story at the much slimmed down John Daly wearing the bright pink pants today and the neon green cap. If he could make a run at it, even if he doesn't win it, it would be fun to watch John Daly in the, uh, the final day, back nine, still got that natural charisma, larger than life, used to be a lot larger than life. Now he's just a little bit larger than life. 
John Daly was in that final day, I think we'd all be the better for at least one time. At least one time before his career uh, retires up, and he, he could he could do that at any particular moment. 888-463-674, Rory McIlroy, 8-under, Ustahosen is 12-under now. Cal Kovecki is 7-under, Lee Westwood 6-under, Stephen Tiley, an unknown, and Marcel Siem. A couple of unknowns at 6-under. Uh, I think Stephen Tiley, a, a local favorite from uh, Scotland, if I've got that correct. Anyhow, we'll try to keep you updated on the British Open. Meanwhile, we got baseball action. We talked about the Cubs and Sox. Other uh, scores from yesterday, Texas knocked off Boston 7-2. to two. Josh Hamilton with three doubles to revitalize Josh Hamilton, now leading. Now leading the major leagues in batting. How about a turnaround story for him? Of course, he was a starter in the All-Star game batting cleanup, but the Rangers, who had lost four in a row to Baltimore, get a, uh, psychologically anyways, a big win to start off the second half of the season. They beat Boston 7-2. to two. The Cubs did not get any help from the Dodgers. Cardinals beat them 7-1. to one. Chris Carpenter with the uh, victory. Carpenter and Wainwright, top two pitching combination in baseball. San Francisco, my pick to click. Second half of the season, they beat the Mets 2 nothing. Way to get out of the gate. Second half, they got their work cut out for them. Three teams ahead of them. But I still think somehow the Giants are going to find a way. Timmy Lensicombe goes the complete game, gets a shutout, and the potential rookie of the year, the hottest batter in baseball right now, Buster Posey, with another uh, couple of singles and an RBI. Buster Posey having a great, great uh, last month. I think I don't even think he started the season with the ball club. They brought him up uh, as a rookie, and now he's hitting the heck out of the ball. San Francisco knocking off the Mets 2-0. Of course, Cubs beat Philadelphia. We talked about that here at Chicago. We would have talked some baseball, how your particular team did if we got Cubs and Sox fans out there. Of course, our show emanating out of Chicago. We always have a, a Midwestern Chicagoland vent here. You want to talk some Cubs, Sox, baseball, we are always right here for you. 888-463-6748. Cubs knock off Philadelphia 12-6. Lou Piniela said it best after the game. That's the way it was supposed to be. After 80-some-odd games, they finally figured out how to do it. This this was the Chicago Cub team we expected to see all season. Home run from Alfonso Soriano. Giovanni Soto. Quiet. Very quiet. First half of the season, he knocks out a home run. couple of doubles from Aramis Ramirez, who has found his batting stroke. It was a matter of time. If you know Aramis Ramirez, too good of a hitter. Too good of a hitter to go in an extended slump. Derek Lee hit a home run. I mean, there's your big guys. Getting it done. That's the way it was supposed to be. You get a rookie like Starlin Castro adding in three hits. Tyrio at the top of the order. Let's not forget Tyler Colvin either with a couple of hits. I mean, it looked easy. Absolutely bashed the Philadelphia middle relief. Looked very, very easy for the Chicago Cubs. Maybe they can uh, continue that streak. Maybe they can continue that streak. It would be nice, even if they don't aren't able to uh, overtake the St. Louis Cardinals or, God forbid, if Dusty Baker and the Cincinnati Reds hang in there. It'd be fun if the Cubs got on a run, at least made it interesting. At least made it interesting. Give us a September with a little bit of zip. Get within four or five games. At least make it interesting, and then uh, we don't have to completely concentrate on Chicago Bear football. So we'll see. Maybe it was just one game, and they'll go back in the way they were. Interesting, too. 47-year-old Jamie Moyer pitching. Think about this. Jamie Moyer pitching for the Phillies, absolutely amazing career. Not that he was that down, he's been good. But what's amazing about it is he's been pitching for 27 years. Started, for those of us that can remember, way back when with the Chicago Cub. That's when he broke into the league. And he looked, for all intents and purposes, he looked like any other run-of-the-day major league pitcher. Now when I say run-of-the-mill or run-of-the-day pitcher, 
keep in mind, I fully understand, to make the major leagues is a, an amazing accomplishment. We've talked about this before. you got to be the best of the best of the best of the best, the elite, just to make the major league. So that understood. But once at the major league level, Jamie Moyer is a 20, 21-year-old, 22, 23, I don't know how many years he pitched for the Cubs, three, four years. He looked like just a average major league pitcher. He would get traded to another team, play for a couple years, disappear, would be a good and or bad memory for the Chicago Cub fans. But amazingly, the guy has stood the test of time. And he's had some good years. At times, he's been very, very good, but he's been good for 27 years. The guy's 47 years old. You could argue, and there's been some arguments, whether he's even getting near Hall of Fame discussion. I don't think that longevity alone, I think, to me, you got to be a dominant-type player to be a Hall of Famer. But you look at his wins totals, combined with the longevity and his effectiveness, uh, you know, at least... It's worth a look at just to even mention, just to even mention the Hall of Fame with Jamie Moyer. Back with the Jamie Moyer, the Cub fans saw at age 23-24, would have been an absolute shocker. So he may not make it, but he's at least in the discussion. But the point is, he's up there pitching 47 years old against Starlin Castro, who's 20 years old. 20 years old, so when Moyer started his career pitching at 22 or 23, Starlin Castro was still four years away from being born. That'll put things in perspective. But the young guy got the the, uh, the best of the veteran yesterday. Starlin Castro was three for four. So sometimes the chicken, or sometimes what's the expression? Sometimes the who catches the who? The rack, the uh, can't even remember the expression. But sometimes the veteran will catch the young guy. Some guy, the young guy, gets the best of the veteran. In yesterday's case, it was the young guy, Starlin Castro, getting it done. All due respect to Jamie Moyer, who has had a brilliant, brilliant career. Cubs get it done. 12-6 to 6 over Philadelphia. Real quick, before we head to our final break, White Sox did beat Minnesota. We talked about that top of the program. 8-7. to 7. They get off to a good start against one of the teams they're going to have to beat in what should be a great stretch run. In the American League Central Division, White Sox win 8-7. to Great ball game back and forth. Sox jumped off early, got the 4 nothing lead, and then Minnesota had a big comeback, six runs. In the second inning, the White Sox did not fold, though. They battled back a run here, a couple of runs there. By the way, one of the bright lights for the White Sox, just like Aramis Ramirez, starting to hit for the Chicago Cubs, Gordon Beckham. Gordon Beckham, the young kid, starting. We don't, we don't know for sure yet, but he's starting to regain the stroke. He did before the All-Star break. He thought, oh, maybe the All-Star break will come. We'll cool him off a little bit. But uh, he looked good, got a home run yesterday and a base hit. And everybody knows if Gordon Beckham can return to the Gordon Beckham of last year, that's going to be a big boost for the White Sox. In fact, one of the amazing things you know, people talk about is the White Sox were in first place at the All-Star break with how many guys that didn't really have good first halves of the season. And Gordon Beckham was at the uh, the top of that ladder. Carlos Quentin, brutal, up until the final three weeks. So if the White Sox, you know, some of their players return to norm, of course part of that is some of the guys that have been playing great, like Paul Canerco, have to continue playing that way. But uh, there's a the big upside. Big upside for the beloved White Sox. Hopefully a um, indication of things to come for Gordy Beckham and company for the White Sox. Big win, and Gavin Floyd going up against Francisco Liriano tonight. Target field, I think 7-10, 7 o'clock the tip-off at Minnesota. Cubs are home today at 120. We'll take a quick break here. David Olson, our producer. When we come back, we're going to jump off the sports world. I'm going to test David Olson's intuition and knowledge. It's going to be David. 
versus Scientific American. And we're going to go over the odds of certain natural disasters happening. Scientific America's got some things here. I want to see David and see how close you can come to what Scientific America. We're going to jump off the sports page very quickly. You want to get us back on task, you can do it. Dial it up at 888-463-674. A quick break. Don't go anywhere. Two guys at a mic today. It's one guy. One mic. Back in a minute. Time to get back to Two Guys and a Mic, your mid-morning break sports talk show. Once again, here's the coach, John Cohn. Right, before we give uh, David Olson the test on Scientific America, welcome back, TalkZone.com. Two Guys and a Mic, as uh, my voice is starting to wear on here, but uh, a couple of quick titillating tidbits, news and notes to Scotty Pippen. Scotty Pippen being brought back to the Chicago Bulls as an ambassador sure what that means, but they're uh, bringing him back. He's moving his family up to the city of Chicago. He is going to be employed full-time by the Chicago uh, Chicago Bulls. Welcome, if you will, Ambassador Scotty Pippen. Well, it's a similar situation to what the Blackhawks yes. have done. Yep. Uh, which I think I think is an outstanding idea. Although I, really I don't do. know if, like, you're talking about Bobby Hull, Stan Makita, and those guys. Uh-huh. little Dennis different, Savard. I think, because they brought those guys back. Now, Savard's different. But they reached out to those guys and had them come, and they had nights for them and stuff like that. But were they employed by the team? I guess you're right. They were. They are. They are. Yeah. They're employees, yeah. It could be a new position. Ambassador in sport. I think I could do that. What if there's a sports team out there I could be the ambassador for? Well, no, I think it's, I, I think it'd be great to bring back a bunch of players from that era. You mm-hmm. know, Scotty Pippen, Horace Grant, BJ Armstrong, yep. Cliff Livingston, mm-hmm. even, you know. Goodwill, good marketing, feel good, relatively cheap for the price, I'm sure. Absolutely. Some, some Absolutely. say it's the beginning of uh, Scotty Pippen's going to make a coaching career out of it. We'll see. But anyhow, Ambassador Pippen, there you, there you go. Uh, and also, I don't know if you saw the story, David, Jonathan Taves, the Chicago Blackhawks star, hails from, I believe, Manitoba. They named a lake after him. Seemed like a relatively nice gesture. A little bit over the top, you might think, but it's Canada. It's hockey. It's Jonathan Taves, hockey's newest star. And uh, last time I checked, they won the Stanley Cup, and Taves is the team captain. But they named a lake after him, but apparently the controversy is that they also named lakes after military personnel who have passed away, servicemen who have been killed. And there apparently is a, not chain of command, but there's a waiting list. I'm not sure how they do it, but they name lakes, and you know certain military men have... You know, maybe you wait four, five, six, seven years, but it's an honor. It's a small token, but it's an honor for the parents and for the family to have a lake named after when they named the lake after Jonathan Taves. Some of the military families were not exactly thrilled with it, I can guarantee you. Knowing Jonathan Taves, he feels terrible, and not to make this a big controversy, but I'm sure he feels horrible being caught in the middle of that. 
Yeah, because it's not his fault. He didn't no. ask the, na- the lake to be named after him. Right. It was an honor that was bestowed upon him. Yes. You know, but if he wants to do the PR move, they, you know, decline the honor. Yeah. Which decline, decline the honor. I can almost guarantee he will. Or some form thereof. All right. A couple of interesting notes. Titillating tidbits, news, and notes. Anytime you have uh, titillating tidbits, news, and notes of your own, you want to titillate us, we are always here to be titillized. In fact, we encourage it. 888-463-6748. The phone number again, you can email us at Mike. Two guys, AOL.com, sports talk over the internet here in the talkzone.com. All right. Scientific America, uh, David, uh, did a little study. Certain natural man-made events I read now that loom on the near horizon have the power to completely transform our world. Okay. They rated the likelihood of these things happening by the year 2050. 40 years. Okay. And they don't grade A, B, C, D, or 1, 2, 3, 4, 5. You're going to give me a um, almost certain to happen, unlikely, likely. Let's just go with those three. Okay. So likely, unlikely, or almost certain. Okay. I guess almost certain being a little stronger than lightly. Let's, uh, let's go a polar meltdown. The U.S. is shrinking physically. It lost nearly 20 meters of beach from its east coast. The oceans have risen by roughly 6.7 inches over 1900. By 2050, the chance, the odds of a polar meltdown being a significant problem. Almost certain. You are correct on that one. So they rate that one as one of the more likely ones to happen. Interesting. Polar meltdown. If that happens, basically it's a flooding situation, right? Yeah, basically. Basically, forget those beachfront communities Mm because they're not going to be there anymore. All right. And these are all natural or man-made potential disasters we've all heard of. How about the cloning of a human being? Actual cloning. They've done it with animals now. It's a weird, it gives me the heebie-jeebies every time I even think about it, but the cloning of a human by the year 2050. I'm going to say likely on that one just because of the furor against it. I think scientifically they can make it happen, but whether or not ethically they will let it happen is the key to that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right on. You don't work for scientific. I mean, did you do this study? No, I didn't. David no, I didn't. Olson, right on, two for two. Cloning of a human, odds by 2050, likely. That one scares me. It's just it it, it maybe even scary. Just it's weird to think of it, isn't it? Ugh. Well, no, but you, you know they've cloned sheep, they've cloned I dogs. Know even even know, that concept, it's just it's weird. Mm. All right, likely to happen by 2050. How about they're getting away from Scientific America? My odds of being alive in 2050, 40 more years. Can you can you throw me a boner? A little longevity. You're, you're what? 45? 54. 54? 45. Thank you very much. You um, just reversed the numbers, but thank you. Likely. Likely. You're in good shape. You're, you're in good shape. You are. I think the fact that I'm in good shape, and as long as we continue to do stage-to-stage coverage, each and every year of the Tour de France, I think i got a solid chance to live the 94. I would agree with that. i got to be here for, uh, you know, what is it, the 139th this year? I want to see the 180th running of the Tour de France. Who knows? I might still be doing the show. <laughs> Dare to dream. In the world of sports. That comes. This 2050, this could be our year, Joel. Let's go through the, let's go through the standings. <laughs> All right. Cloning of a human being likely. How about uh, self 
aware robots. We all know the robotic industry is developing. Now, what exactly does self-aware mean? But I guess robots... It means robots that are kind of basically capable of independent thought. You can communicate with them. Yes. That is almost certain. All right. That you're close. They say likely. Almost certain. So, so robots will be a factor in the next 40 years. Now, can they get, could it, can someone, I'm just thinking diabolically here, could someone get out of control and program them the wrong way and robots starting to think on their own and all of a sudden we have issues? Definitely. That's the, a possibility. The robot revolution, yes. Really? Yeah. There is that. Mm. Yeah, it, it doesn't get a lot of play here, mm-hmm. but you, it, you should see some of the things that are built in Japan. It's like frightening. Like, have you seen the robot that walks up and down stairs? I have not. It's, it's like. When you say frightening, frightening in its human likeness? Yes. Yes. Yeah. See, I think we all tend to think of the old fashioned robot. You know, and those, but you, know, you gotta get that thought out of your head, right? Robot meaning a mechanical instrument, but can it be more and more as technology improves? More human like. Boy, another scary thought. This thing is. Yeah, I'll see if I can dig up the YouTube of this. It's like, it's like, ah. Do you think it's like a guy in a costume? Ooh. And it's not. These things. Just, just completely human-like movement. Just go right down the stairs. So, you know, the more we go over these things, I'm not sure I want to be around in 2050. I mean, the 180th running of the Tour de France excite me, but cloning, polar meltdown, and self-aware robots, all of a sudden it ain't sounding so good. Better tell my kids to enjoy life while they can. Uh, asteroid collision. Asteroid, again, according to Scientific America, odds of it happening... By 2050. Unlikely. Guy's right at it. So that's one of the things we don't have to worry about as much. Very unlikely. How about a uh, nuclear exchange? Nuclear exchange, the threat of global nuclear annihilation has, has been greatly reduced by the end of the Cold War, but the ongoing arms control efforts by the U.S. and Russia and other countries, but rogue nations... Have made continuing tensions, uh, blah, 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 blah. So in your opinion, Scientific America, nuclear exchange, thoughts by 2050. I say that's unlikely. Even with the rogue nations, I say it's unlikely. And Scientific America would agree with you. Unlikely. That's, that, that's good to hear. It's good to hear because all the robots and the weirdness of cloning and polar meltdown, it all don't mean a whole lot of things. I'm assuming a nuclear explosion, the robots are going to go too. Maybe not. Maybe well, they'll make what the circuitry is made out of. Yeah, that's true. Oh, there's there's a good movie for you. Maybe that's well, that, it, it already happened. It was called Terminator. Really? Yeah. Where there was a nuclear explosion, yeah. all humans got killed. Yes, and the and robots only... took over. Really? Yeah, that's, yeah. I have not seen that's, the... that's the whole concept of Terminator. Is that right? Yes. I got to start watching yes. more movies. You know that. <laughs> Arnold Schwarzenegger's Terminator. Cool. How does it end? Did the humans come back? Robots take over the world? Or? Um, well, it's kind of cyclical because it's it, it, like the that happened. It, you know what? I'm not even going to explain this to you because it will give me a headache. <laughs> How about finally and again, uh, David Olson acing the tester on Scientific America. How about synthetic life through biology creating human life, which is another weird one. Different than cloning, right? Different. This is like through- Yeah, I say that's unlikely. Ladies and gentlemen, the first red mark against David Olson, according to Scientific America, rest comfortably this weekend. The odds of synthetic life actually happening by 2050, almost certain. Almost certain. 
Scientist adds a few chemical compounds to a bubbling beaker and gives it a swirl. Subtle reactions occur. Lo and behold, a new life form assembles itself, ready to go forth and prosper, such as the popular imagining of synthetic biology. But even after last month's announcement that researchers at the Craig Venter Institute had successfully booted up a cell using a synthetically created genome, scientists remain far from understanding the basic process. But, in principle, everything that is manufactured could be manufactured with biology. They are saying by 2050 that is a likely scenario. There's your feel-good thought for the day. All right, uh, unfortunately, with all due respect to Scientific America, they only give us one hour to do this show, and we got to wrap it up. We do appreciate everybody for listening. Today and for the entire week, David Olson, great job helping me out today, producing the show the entire week. We will be back Monday with the Big Dog, 10 o'clock. Uh, spread the word. Tell people about the show. We're trying to build the clientele here. In the meantime, everybody have a tremendous weekend. And British Open results, Tour de France, more fun to come when we come back. Have a great weekend. Thanks for listening.